0: Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions.
1: As we pressed deeper into the swamp, thousands of mosquitoes swarmed us in a cloud biting our exposed skin. Soon I was itching all over from the bites. The going got worse and I began sinking up to my waist in the smelly ooze. I find it hard to believe that mountain men live their entire lives in this filth, but they do. They have learned how to walk and not sink in. This is when they told me that Wauwi and Aouni were at war. The ground in the trail we were now walking on was contested ground. No wonder the trail was not maintained. And my guides had another confession to make. They had never come this way before, and we were
0: lost. Blood-sucking swarms of mosquitoes? Thorns? oozing mud up to your waist and traveling on a trail contested by warring tribes, and, oh yeah, lost. This story sure puts the frontier into Adventist Frontier Missions. But why would a missionary put up with all of this? Well, you're about to find out. David Hicks and his wife Edie are AFM missionaries serving the Ama and May River peoples of Papua New Guinea, one of the most remote mission stations AFM operates. They teach the indigenous people construction techniques, reading and writing, and most importantly, about God and His love. David calls this story, My Hike to Hawaii."
1: He asked for our radio Bible. I heard one of our church members commenting to another after prayer meeting. My curiosity was strong, so I stopped to join them with the customary finger-snapping greetings. <coughs> what is a radio Bible? I asked Elder Paul of the May River Church. He chuckles and tells me it is a Godpod or solar-powered audio Bible in the Tok language. He tells me that ten were distributed to the river villages along the May River two years ago, but none were given to the mountain people. Unknown to them, the Seapik Mission in Wewak had just given me five godpods to distribute, but I had kept the matter of secret prayer until now. Is the man still here? What is his name? Where is he from? I began to press for more information. Did you give him a godpod? Oh no, we couldn't give him our village's godpod. We listened to it, he, they replied. I soon learned that Stephen, the mountain man, was from the village of Wawi and that he had visited the May River Church the previous Sabbath. I remember seeing him after church. Then I explained that I had a God Pod which I had been saving to give to a village who didn't have anyone who knew how to read. They assured me that no one from Wauwe had been to school yet. Right then I made the decision to travel to Wauwe and give Stephen the audio Bible he so much wanted. Elder Paul told me that he had been to Wauwe before and would guide me there but he warned me that it would not be an easy hike. He neglected to tell me that we would be traveling in Sago Swamp, which has millions of sharp thorns up to six inches long embedded in the mud. The very next Sunday, early in the morning, we departed by boat upriver to an oxbow lake between the villages of Awani and Mami where we were told we would find a trail that would lead us to Wawi. The trail was overgrown with weeds and tree branches pressed us on both sides. It was apparent that people had not used this path for a long time. We had gone only a quarter of a mile when the weeds disappeared and we began slogging through squishy mud and warm stagnant swamp water. I noticed large sago trees bristling with sharp thorns all around me. The thorns completely covered the trunks of the trees and protruded from the undersides of each palm branch that hung down. Dozens of studded branches covered the trail, making it very hazardous for us to walk. My guide, four in number, were all barefoot and I had on thin-soled shoes. I was deeply concerned for the well-being of my tender feet and sent up a silent prayer for protection from the thorns. God answered my prayer through all six miles of Sago Swamp. As we pressed deeper into the swamp, Thousands of mosquitoes swarmed us in a cloud biting our exposed skin. Soon I was itching all over from the bites. The going got worse and I began sinking up to my waist in the smelly ooze. I find it hard to believe that mountain men live their entire lives in this filth, but they do. They have learned how to walk and not sink in. After another hour and a half of trekking through mud and across slippery logs, we arrived at the charred remains of a house. This is when they told me that Wawi and Aouni were at war. This house had been burned last January and four men had been wounded with arrows during the raid. The ground in the trail we were now walking on was contested ground. No wonder the trail was not maintained. And my guides had another confession to make. They had never come this way before and we were lost. (laughs) We hiked for hours going on different trails trying to find the village. Thankfully, we eventually left the swamp and began hiking on the mountain. Since we were lost, we called out with loud hoots and hollers, trying to get the attention of Wauwi, but they didn't make a sound. We found out later that they heard us, but they were afraid we were their enemies from Aoni. We made such a commotion that at last a war party from Wauwi was dispatched, heavily armed with bows and arrows, machetes and spears to find us. It was late afternoon, and the sun was no longer visible because of the thick upper branches of the huge trees of the mountain. My legs were tired, and I found myself stumbling over tree roots on the steep path. We had had nothing to eat since breakfast, and our water was gone, and I was beginning to visualize what it would be like to spend the night outside when the warriors from Wawe found us. You should have seen the surprise on their faces when they saw a white man. They knew my guides and there was much handshaking and finger snapping as they greeted us. We were a long way from their house. Some of the men rushed home to tell the others that a white man was coming. Their village, I learned, consisted of one large house and a smaller house on the mountaintop for their spirit god. I was welcomed to their home with many shouts of excitement as a white man had never come to this particular house before. There were sixty people inside of all ages And space was made for us to sit down and spread our things out to dry. The children stared at me with fascination as I peeled my shoes off. I made a joke that the white man was peeling the skin off his feet and everyone laughed. (laughs) I noticed that the group of people had very few clothes. The women wore no shirts and the little boys were naked. Later when I asked to take photos in the house, the women put on their only shirts. As I scanned the open room, I saw that only some of the families had mosquito nets. No one had beds to sleep in. A couple of men had mats to lie on, but the rest of the people lay on the bare floor, without blankets or sheets. As night came, the house got black, except for the glow of a couple of cooking fires in the corner. I counted a total of eight fire pits in the house. They cooked leaves and sago starch for me to eat. I ate their simple meal with much gratitude. Then we began to talk, as was custom. They questioned me very directly. Why had I come to their village house? I told them that I had heard that Stephen wanted a god pod so he could listen to God's word. I presented gifts of salt and soap to the leader of the village, and he was very pleased. Then I gave Stephen the god pod. He clutched it in his hands like it was the most precious thing. We spent the next couple of hours talking about God while the villagers crowded around us listening. Later I brought up the topic of making peace with the village of Awani and found that the men were ready to make peace if we helped set up peace talks and to mediate. By this time, I was ready for bed and I could see other people settling down to sleep. One man was sleeping on a wooden shield captured in battle from the warriors of Aoni. I was still sitting talking when something crawled up and bit my leg. I jumped up rubbing my leg and turned on my flashlight and to my surprise I found a cockroach had bitten me. I looked around and discovered that the house was crawling with thousands of them. I needed no convincing to get into my mosquito net that night. I felt sorry for the families that didn't have protection from the cockroaches. I woke up to screams five or six times during the night as the children were bitten in their sleep. In the morning, Elder Paul checked children for malaria and handed out medicine. Then he called everyone together and led in worship. We sang songs and read and explained a passage from the Bible. There was divided interest. As I was packing to depart, Thomas, the leader of the village, called me over to hear a very important request. I sat down and Thomas told me he wanted to build a church so he could learn to worship God. I was thrilled. He told me he needed three things, a hammer, nails, and a handsaw to construct a place of worship and he begged me to bring clothes for his people. He told me he was ashamed to worship God in clothes with big holes showing his body parts. I told him I would do my best to help him and his people. My friends, please pray for Wawi, that God will gain a foothold there. They worship an unclean spirit in the house on the mountaintop. The leader of their false god was not pleased that we were there. Since that story took place, we did have an opportunity to bring 50 pounds of clothes to the village. And we also brought mosquito nets to the village. But they didn't build a church, even though we gave them a hammer and saw and nails. They're still struggling.
0: This flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. True man, yet very God, from sin and death he saves us, enlightens every load. If you feel God moving on your heart to share the good news of Jesus with remote tribes in Papua New Guinea, people groups from the dry deserts of Africa, or secluded Muslims in the Middle East or Asia, don't delay, pray for guidance. Then call 800-937-4236 or point your browser to afmonline.org and click on Be A Missionary on the homepage. Time is short. Won't you join the front lines of mission service today? That's 800-937-4236 or afmonline.org. Thank you for listening to Frontier Missions Journal. God bless.